Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race burpee-free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Underground SGX Show. I'm your host, Mike Diebler. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I recently got back from Boston. I was out running the uh, Fenway Park Sprint, Stadium Sprint, and it was my first stadium race. And I have to say it was pretty awesome. Uh, One, being in Fenway Park. So if you're a baseball fan at all, it's pretty cool just being on the field, in the stands, checking out the stadium, doing the race. Um, as I mentioned on the show before, I am a Yankee fan, but it didn't matter. It was still such a cool experience to be out out there running and a, kind of a nice distraction because you're just running, doing the race and checking, taking in the sights. And, you know, before you know it, it's it's over. So um, it, definitely cool. Um, if you've never run a Spartan race before, it's actually a, a stadium series seems to be a great place to start because, you know, it's um, shorter distance. You're not going to experience the same terrain and the mud and water, but you still get exposed to a lot of the same obstacles, plus a, a few unique ones. So um, if you want to check out what the race was like, I actually wore a GoPro during the race and uh, put together a short five-minute clip of uh, kind of just summarizing all the different obstacles. So uh, you can check that out in our show notes, which for this episode are going to be found at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 13 so you can find that video there plus any other links that are mentioned in this show if you have any questions comments or just want to reach out to me feel free to contact me at info at spartanunderground.com don't forget november is our giveaway month we are giving away some cool prizes some shirts socks towels a whole bunch of them to give away all you have to do to enter in the contest is Follow us on social media, so like our Facebook page, uh, follow us on Instagram, and then if you give us a five-star review in iTunes, you'll get a couple more entries. So um, I will put links again in our show notes so you don't have to go searching for all those things. Um, But yeah, really easy to enter. We are going to pick lots of winners, so many people are going to win. All you have to do is, is join any of those different sites there. In this week's show... In our research review, we're going to go over antioxidants. There's a lot of new research coming out about antioxidants, specifically with exercise. And this week, we're going to talk about endurance training and antioxidants. And if you are taking an antioxidant supplement, you might want to think twice, and it might not actually be benefiting you. So we'll get more into that topic. In our resource of the week, we're going to talk about sandbags and sandbag training. And we have a couple other cool websites and resources involving sandbags uh, for you this week. And then finally, in our inner uh, SGX interview, we are with Coach Sean Provost from Live Unbreakable, and we talk about her insights into training, her experiences dealing with injuries, and a lot of it we spent talking about mindset and the, the mental side of training for, for a Spartan race, or really any kind of race, um, and how sometimes we're our own worst enemy, and we get in our own way. And she gives some of her tips and strategies that she uses for herself as long as as well as with her clients on how to overcome some of those mental challenges uh, to this whole process. All right, so um, sit back. We have an awesome show for you. And uh, make sure you take notes. I hope you get a lot out of this week's episode. 
right, I have a really interesting research study that I wanted to talk about this week on antioxidants. And this comes from uh, the Journal of Physiology, actually a couple years ago in 2004, but there have been some trending research articles on antioxidants and their effects on exercise. So I, I thought this was a pretty relevant topic here. And we don't have to get a ton into physiology, and I'm sure you've heard of antioxidants before, but just a, a quick background so you understand why we're even talking about this. And you've probably heard of free radicals, and um, or you may have even heard them called reactive oxygen species or ROS, but just know that those are these free radicals that we're, we're talking about that can be damaging to cells, to cell walls, DNA, um, related to cancers and things like that. So essentially these um, molecules are, uh, have an uneven electron or unpaired electron and they basically are trying to steal it from other atoms. And when they do that, it starts this chain effect and it just starts uh, to damage the cells. And obviously this is a bad thing. So uh, taking in antioxidants can help stop this and neutralizes these free radicals. So it makes sense. You want to include lots of antioxidants in your diet, whether it comes from food or potentially with supplements. Now, one thing that we, we need to realize is that these ROSs or free radicals naturally occur in the body and they do really sometimes for a specific reason. And when you exercise, you actually see an increase in free radicals. And this has been known for a long time and that's why a lot of people may increase their antioxidant intake with exercise because they want to try and neutralize this effect. But what they're finding is that this might actually hinder performance or some of these benefits from, from exercise. And that's, that's what the study did from the Journal of Physiology. So um, I'll put a link in the show notes, but the title was Vitamin C and E Supplementation Hampers Cellular Adaptations to Endurance Training in Humans. Right, so it kind of explains exactly what happened in this study. But um, what they did was there were 54 men and women, and they gave them uh, supplements high in vitamin C and vitamin E. Now they participate all participated in a endurance training program. So there was a control group um, that did not take the supplement, or they took a placebo, and then the group that took the actual uh, antioxidants and. They trained three to four days a week, and they were either doing high-intensity interval training. Uh, their training program was like four to six rounds of four to six-minute um, sprints, essentially, at high intensities. Um, so they were trying to hit around 90% of their, their max heart rate. Um, or they did 30 to 60 minutes of lower intensity, uh, around 70% of continuous exercise. So both groups did the exercise. The only difference or intervention was that the uh, half of them took this supplement high in antioxidants. So vitamin C and vitamin E are uh, high in antioxidants. Um, so they took these supplements both before and after exercise and then on days that they didn't work out they still took it and they took it in the morning and in the evening um, to make sure that they were getting that um, a, a diet high in antioxidants. Um, so they tested for VO2 max, submaximal running, uh, a 20-meter shuttle time. They took blood samples, muscle biopsies. Uh, so they took a whole bunch of different tests. And the main finding in this study was, well, one, both groups did see an improvement in endurance, VO2 max and, and other things that they measured. But the interesting thing they found was the group that took the supplements actually had 
decreased markers that showed mitochondrial biogenesis. And I know that's a fancy word, but it basically, the mitochondria, you, maybe you remember from your biology class back in high school, but that's the powerhouse of the cell. That's where aerobic energy production occurs. That helps you with endurance production. So um, when you have more of them, you are going to be better at endurance. You can use fat for fuel better. You can use oxygen um, and create more energy aerobically. So one adaptation to endurance training is that biogenesis, which just means you increase your mitochondrial number and, and density of them, uh, which is a good thing, right? We want more of them so we can improve our endurance. And what they found through these muscle biopsies was the group that uh, took the antioxidant supplement saw a decrease in markers that, that showed basically they're not getting the same response. It's actually slowing down the reproduction of mitochondria. Now, it's an interesting study, and there's a few other ones that show similar results, but it's important to look at the end result, say, hey, you know what? Both groups did see an improvement. So the antioxidant, it didn't hurt performance. This study was done over 11 weeks, Right? So maybe there would have been a change if they'd looked for longer. The other group might have seen better improvements. So we don't know completely there. But at least it, it does make you wonder, is it necessary to be taking extra supplements high in antioxidants? If we do want some of this free radical response from exercise, it's, it's essentially it's a signal that there's stress occurring on the body and we need to adapt to improve. And that's all exercise is, right? You stress the body and then... The body signals that, hey, something's wrong. We need to change so that we can handle this stress in the future. And that's what we want, right? We, we go on a run. We do it for uh, a number of days in a row or a you know, number of weeks. We train for a while and we get better at it because one adaptation is this increase in mitochondria. But antioxidants might be slowing this process down. So it's at least something to consider. And if nothing else... Maybe the best the solution is focus on getting foods high in antioxidants, and that way there's really no need to supplement with additional antioxidants, right? And I know resveratrol has been a big one with wine, and I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but maybe you don't need as much wine throughout the day. You can get your antioxidants from other whole food sources like uh, berries and fruits and sweet potatoes and green vegetables. So lots of places you can get it that you don't really need it from uh, a supplement uh, unless you're just not getting it in your diet at all. But I thought it was an interesting study. So again, anytime you're taking a supplement, make sure you're questioning, do I really need this? Can I get it from whole food? And is it giving me a benefit? And in this case, is it actually hindering your performance? All right, in this week's resource of the week, we are talking about sandbags and sandbag training. And you may have played around with sandbags before, maybe use them a ton, but specifically I want to talk about ultimate sandbag training. And um, the website I want to give you is ultimatesandbagtraining.com. You may have seen these. They're, it almost looks like a duffel bag filled with sand, and it has handles kind of all over it. Now, yes, there are multiple kinds of, of sandbags, but the reason I'm bringing up this one in particular is because not only do they give you a, a great product in a sandbag that's very specific to obstacle course training, 
um, they have a, just a great program philosophy and education system as well, which they refer to as dynamic variable resistance training. And their whole goal is not just to get you better at the gym, but to get you better at life and in sport. And obviously you can see how practical that would be for your training, that it's not just about lifting a weight, it's about moving that weight and controlling your body as you move it. Because obviously with a sandbag, you know, it gets difficult to grip, it moves around, it's not constant like, like a weight. Um, lots of benefits to doing it. In fact, there's a, a preliminary study, so we have to wait for the final results, but they showed that um, doing lunges with a sandbag compared to dumbbells uh, elicited a greater heart rate response and increased energy expenditure than dumbbells. So pretty cool, right? But probably because you have to concentrate more and give more effort to control that weight versus just holding holding dumbbells. Um, but so what I did was, well, one, check out ultimatesandbagtraining.com and go to their uh, training series. And they have a ton of videos on um, exercises. You can sign up for their newsletter. I, again, I have no affiliation with this company. I just think it's a great product. And I think anyone can benefit from from playing around with this type of training. Um, so check out their site, explore it. And then actually what I did was I created a couple videos I want you to check out. So one is a sandbag workout. And it's basically a whole workout just using sandbags. Now, you don't have to do the whole workout just using one piece of equipment, but hey, it's easy. If you just have about one thing and you're in your garage and want to bust out a quick workout, you can try something like this. Um, so that's one video. I want you to check that out. Um, if you don't have sandbags, I highly recommend that you, you pick some up. Again, you can go to ultimatesandbagtraining.com and, and check out all their different products that they have there. And then I also put another video together, just a shorter one, to show you some crawling variations and with a little bit of instruction there. Because obviously crawling is really should be a fundamental movement in your program. Pretty much every workout you do, you should involve some type of crawling. And, you know, sometimes bear crawling, once you get the hang of it, it gets a little bit boring. Um, you know, you can change directions and adding a little bit of external loading and something else to think about just makes, it, it takes that crawling workout to a whole new level. So I have a, a short video that you can check out. So that's a resource of the week. One, it's the Ultimate Sandbag itself, their website, and then those two videos that you can check out in uh, this week's show notes. All right, it's time for this week's SGX Coach interview. And as I mentioned, I am with Coach Sean Provost from liveunbreakable.com. And uh, Sean is a, a sponsored elite OCR athlete as well as an SGX coach. Um, if you check out her website, you'll see all of her top finishes and uh, time she's been on the podium. And it, it is pretty impressive, so I highly recommend checking out her website. Uh, Sean is a full-time online personal trainer coach and obstacle course racing coach, specializes in prehab, injury prevention, running, TRX training, kettlebells, and a, a ton of other stuff to help you get in shape for your next obstacle course race. So we are going to touch on some injury prevention strategies, uh, but we focus a lot on the mental side of training. I really think you're going to love this interview and get some practical tips on how it can help you in your next race. All right, everybody. Uh, I am really excited about today's guest. We have not only an awesome coach, but a pretty high-level obstacle course racer, Spartan specialist on with us. Uh, today we have SGX coach Sean Provost. How are you doing today, coach? 
I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, so now it, I think I'm really excited about this because you have a pretty impressive resume with um, not only Spartan races, but just racing in general. Um, but let's back up a little bit. How did you first get into obstacle course racing and how long have you been doing this? So I got into obstacle course racing probably close to seven years ago now, actually. Um, just kind of practicing, you know, not just running, but being all around fit. Um, and about six years ago, I got really into Spartan racing, um, you know, right as it was getting started and the Spartan ultra beast was something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was a gymnast for 13 years and I got into running in college, but I found that running wasn't quite enough of a challenge for me. Um, not that it's not a challenging sport. I don't mean to say that at all, but to me, you know, I was missing that extra something, right? I feel gymnastics is very mental and physically demanding and, you know, running to me wasn't giving me what I needed. So I was always looking for something more and obstacle course racing fit nicely into that description. And, and I got quickly addicted. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I might start using that as my reason for not liking running. Um, <laughs> I just don't like it, but maybe I'll just say it's not hard enough. um so you were on the ultimate Beastmaster, so you're kind of our first celebrity on the show which is (laughs) awesome so could you tell our listeners a little bit what that is and and your experience with it sure ultimate Beastmaster um was actually uh produced and directed by sylvester stallone it's a netflix original series um terry cruz was the host it was a 10 episode series with about 108 competitors from 18 different uh, or 18 athletes from uh, six different countries. Um, and each episode had about 12 competitors, two from each country. So it split it up very nicely. Um, and we each uh, had to go through a beast of an obstacle course. So the obstacle course literally looked like a beast. <laughs> and each part of the beast was a different section that we had to compete with each other um, in time, in effort, in, you know, medical and physical abilities and it was it was actually a really really cool experience that's awesome so could you like kind of explain maybe what one or two of the obstacles were like just so um, we can get a good idea of it hey guys i'm going to interrupt right here because unfortunately after i asked this question um, sean let me know that she did sign a non-disclosure and cannot reveal the actual obstacles that were performed on this show so unfortunately we had to cut this part out And we just won't know until the show is out there what the actual obstacles will be. So uh, make sure you go to the show notes and you can find where you can sign up to get notice when the show is out there and available for viewing. And so this is on Netflix. So I'll I'll put a link to the show in our show notes so people can check it out because I have a feeling some people are going to be curious about some of these obstacles and what, what they look like. Yeah, and it's actually not even out yet. Um, they don't have a release date for it. So right now you can sign up and Netflix will give you a heads up when it's coming out. But so far, they don't have a date. So oh, Okay. All right. So at least people can sign up and um, be the first to know when it does come out. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So um, I mentioned you're, you're pretty... Um, your resume is pretty impressive, and I'll put, a, again, a link to your website so people can see all of your top finishes and, and your background and, and learn a little bit more about you um, through your, your uh, website through Live Unbreakable. 
And you also list some of your injuries that you had to overcome. Can you just talk about a few of those? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I have, like I mentioned, I was a gymnast for about 13 years. So from that alone, I had sported quite a number of, and not necessarily during my gymnastics career, but definitely afterwards, I could feel it in my bones and my muscles that I had overworked them for quite a while. So when I got into running, um, I actually broke, um, three or four of my metatarsals in my foot, uh, in seven different ways. Um, so that was one big injury I had to overcome. And I actually did the Spartan sprint in math about, I think it was three years ago now on crutches. Um, just so I could like remember what it was like to be out on the course, um, and give me that extra motivation. Um, but I've also torn ligaments. I've strained my ACL, my MCL have been stretched out. Um, I actually dislocated my knee earlier this year. Oh. Um, so that was a blast to come back from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. How did you do that? Um, honestly, it was, it's just perseverance and it, it sucks. Like you get injured and your motivation goes down the drain, especially like I love to run. So not being able to even walk is like this huge drain on, on your, um, your whole motivation. Right. So I went to physical therapy two or three times a week. And during the week when I wasn't there, I would do, you know, modified versions of other exercises for like my upper body and my core. So I could maintain fitness throughout. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you just had lost a ton when you finally were cleared for, for training again? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it was my left knee that I dislocated and, um, I could tell the difference in size of my quad, mm -hmm. like super obvious between my left and my right. Um, and my hamstring is still, I'm still doing exercises to strengthen that back up because I know that there's imbalances that I'm, I'm dealing with right now. So did you have any like specific strategies, whether it was, you know, uh, mentally or physically, to help you knowing that, Hey, I just lost all of this strength and ability. And I'm sure it crossed your mind once or twice. Like, is it worth it? Do I need to, do I really want to do all this training again? So do you have any specific strategies that might help others out that might be going through an injury? I think honestly, the key behind it is to just remember why you did it in the first place. So whatever it was that got you into the sport that you're in, just remembering that and repeating it to yourself. I wrote it on my mirror every single morning when I got into the shower, I had motivational videos that my alarm clock would like remind me to watch. And as stupid as it sounds, that really helped me. So like every day at three o'clock is kind of when I would feel that drain, like, ugh, I have to go to the gym soon or, or, you know, I wouldn't want to get up and stretch or something simple. Right. And it's those little things and that habit building that you have to get back into because yeah, there was a week or two where I literally, I couldn't do anything because my knee was, I was in so much pain, you know, and I was taking some pain relievers. So it just wasn't safe for me to be around weights and, and to do even, you know, body weight exercises. So getting back into the habit is really what you have to build back into. And then once you're there, it's just maintaining. So 21 days, 30 days, giving yourself, you know, that gold star when you achieve that first week or that second week and just really like relying on yourself and, and the friends and the community that you were in, you know, like I, I can't count the number of times I texted my friends from obstacle course racing, you know, and I would tell them like, I'm, I'm not motivated today. I'm not going to do anything like help me get back into it. And whether they would call and yell at me or send me motivational videos, 
that family really helped me, you know, maintain some sort of physical fitness while I was, while I was recovering. Yeah. And I think that's just a, a great point with sometimes we do want to try and do this stuff on our own, but it's kind of silly too. <laughs> you, there's so many people that will help you, friends, family, other racers, gym buddies, whatever it might be. So oftentimes we, we need to rely on them. So making sure you have a good support system is, is going to be critical. Exactly. And I think a lot of people see the elite field as like, you know, we're all competitors. And obviously when we're all towing that start line, we are in competition, but it's also so nice to know that, you know, last week when you saw, you know, so-and-so at the start line and they're there again, it's this nice feeling that you're part of this family, you're part of a community and they just, you know, everyone wants everyone to be at the top of their game so that when you do well against them, you know, that you earned that, you know, and it's, it's a nice benchmark. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I'm willing to bet too, like it, it's sometimes it's hard to not focus on where you once were, but mm-hmm. also how far you've come, you know, when you're going through your rehab, it's like, well, last week I couldn't even do this and now I can. And sometimes just mentally focus on those things. I'm sure it would be a big, big boost too. Yeah. And I, one of my mottos is always to compete against the you that you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, injured or healthy, as long as you're comparing yourself against you and who you are and what you know you're capable of, you can't fail because then you always know where you stand, right? And you know what you've put into your physical fitness and your mental fitness to be where you are. So we are our own like hardest critics sometimes, but I think that's important to really motivate yourself and and get back out there. Awesome. I think that's a great point. Um, So I I, want to continue on this topic because obviously you're, you're an elite racer, a great coach, and we could talk about strength methods and endurance methods and, you know, how to climb a rope and all all these different things. and, And maybe we'll get you back on and do those things. But I think you offer a unique perspective on the other half of it. You know, we, we talk so much about the physical side of it, but what are some things to mentally prepare for this race? Mental preparation is probably what I spend 90% of my time focusing on. Um, and to me, being mentally ready for something means putting yourself in uncomfortable situations pretty frequently. So, um, for me, mental strength, I have athletic induced asthma. So getting into the water, especially when it's colder is terrifying to me because I already can't breathe. And then that's going to restrict my breathing even more. So, um, that to me is always a very big mental roadblock. So to overcome that, I'll get in ice baths or I will go swimming when it's cold outside, you know, and, and do things that put me outside of my comfort zone but in a safe way. So I'll always have someone with me that can, you know, if I have my rescue inhaler with me, you know, someone's always there to help administer that. Um, if I am going to be in an ice bath, you know, I have someone at home with me. So, you know, if I do have some sort of anxiety attack or I do have some sort of like mental breakdown, you know, someone's there to help me out. And it's, a, and it's in a very safe and controlled environment so that when I get out there in a race and it's a less controlled environment, I'm not scared. You know, I'm not worried about, um, on a mental level, am I going to be okay if this happens? So some of the ways that I tell my clients to get ready is, you know, if they're not an early riser, get up at four in the morning and go for a run and being able to train yourself to do that two or three times a week to just pull yourself out of bed. It sounds like such a small feat, but it really helps you get prepared mentally. And on the other side of that, if you are an early riser, staying up later at night, maybe two or three hours later than you usually would training, you know, in a very controlled environment where you're 
conscientious of what's going on. Like you, you want to be very focused on the movements that you're making so you don't get injured, but that outside of your comfort zone kind of feel is what you're going for to be prepared mentally. Yeah. And that, that's a, you know, a simple tip, but it, it will go such a long way. And, and yeah, and I, I, you're definitely not saying, Hey, go do something crazy that you've never done before. You can't do that might hurt yourself, but it could be just a little thing like, yeah, like waking up early or, Mm-hmm. I think we were talking on a previous podcast and, you know, if it rains, do a workout outside, you know, a run mm-hmm. or maybe just jumping jacks outside or just something get wet because, you know, you're going to have to run wet. And um, that's an easy way to get out of your comfort zone. And um, I had a, a teammate in college that would and I know the saying's been sent other places, but, uh, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's mm-hmm. kind of the key to training. Exactly. You're never going to enter a race and have perfect conditions. And if you do like good on you, (laughs) but I have yet to be at that race where everything goes right. So the more you can prepare yourself for something to go wrong, the better off you'll be um, on a mental standpoint and and physically as well. And would you do anything um, physically, like just to kind of mess with a perfect situation, maybe for yourself or for a client where kind of throwing something unexpected at them in a safe manner? Oh, absolutely. I would have some of my, (laughs) oh man, she's going to hate me for this. So (laughs) I I had one of my clients go for an eight to 10 mile run. Right. And I would call her intermittently throughout this run and just have her do burpees. Or I told her what route it was going to be because she's actually one of my um, online clients. So I just called her and had her at certain points, I knew she was by a park, so she would do burpees. I knew she would be by, you know, a pull-up bar at a different park, and I would have her do pull-ups at a different spot. Um, So she never knew when I was going to call or what I was going to have her do. Um, She just knew that she was going to have this eight-mile run, and, you know, eventually, I'm sure, caught on that I would call her five or six times. Uh, (laughs) But she said that was one of the best ways to help her prepare for her race, because she didn't know what obstacle was coming up next, and she wasn't, you know, she would never be prepared to know what was coming up next. And so me calling her and doing that was actually one of the best ways for her to train. That's awesome. And I, I would always say it'd be so cool if there was an app and maybe there is, and I just haven't seen it. Or if somebody creates it, just give me a little bit of credit here, but um, <laughs> that randomly would like tell you to do stuff while you're running. So like mm-hmm. at the you know, three minute and 50 second mark, it tells you to do push ups, And then at the 15 minute mark and one second that you do lunges or something just so it's completely random and you have no idea what to come. But, um, what, that's a great way to train. And, um, I'm sure pretty fun for you to give random calls and almost <laughs> mess with your clients a little. <laughs> it was awesome. She didn't, she didn't answer like the second and third calls that I tried to give her. She just completely ignored them. And then she realized I wasn't going to give up. So <laughs> yeah, I, I did a, a, a pretty gnarly run. Uh, this is a couple months ago, but I told myself at the mile mark, I was going to do 15 burpees at every mile mark. And I think I did a seven mile run and there'd be times where I was running downhill and I would just make myself stop and do my burpees there or like yep. in the dirt or wherever it was. So you just mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's, Let's talk about um, a little like negative self-talk. So I'm sure you either yourself or clients have, you know, started getting that thought in their head or that little voice saying, I just can't do this today or ever or whatever, just uh, doubting that their own, their own abilities, that they can achieve something. Do you have any strategies to kind of help overcome that, that negative voice inside your head? Oh, that demon that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely dealt with that quite a bit when I was, um, you know, coming back from injury too, but a, a lot of the clients that I have, you know, they, they explain it as like the little demon, right? The little devil that sits on their shoulder that tells them they can't go any further or they're in too much pain or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I always tell them the same thing and it's, it's to take it down one level. So let's say you are racing and you race at a level nine, right? You're like not quite at max capacity because you're always saving a little bit for the end, but you're right up there. And, you know, you see a hill come up and, and you know, hills are your weak spot and you're already feeling pretty drained. Instead of running up the hill, power walk up the hill. That's one level down. Instead of completely stopping and telling yourself that you can't do it, just take it down one level, one notch and do that for as long as you can. And if you still feel like you need to take it down, that's okay. Take it down one more. And now we're walking up the hill, but we're still moving. And we didn't let that demon tell us that we can't do what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Oh, sorry. Keep going. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, I think that mental, you know, being outside of your comfort zone thing helps to put that demon to rest because when you're trying to get up early in the morning and you're tired and you don't feel like you want to get up, it's dark outside, it's cold, you know, that demon's telling you stay in bed, you know, what's, why can't you work out, you know, in two hours, you have plenty of time and pushing that aside and really focusing on your goals and what's keeping you motivated, that's where you need to sit. And that's where you really need to push through and realize that you can do it. It's just, it's uncomfortable and it's, it's not fun, but you can do it. And then doing it over and over helps you battle that. Yeah. And you you said the word habit earlier, and I think it's kind of like what you're developing. You know, you, you don't, nobody wants to get up early or if you do, I hate you, but (laughs) you know, it's easy to sleep in and, but we get up early to go to work or work out or whatever. And, you know, you do it the first time and it's not so fun and the next time and next time, but then it just becomes a habit and yeah, you know, you're going to be tired, but it's just what you do. And I think that's kind of the point we're trying to get to where it's, yeah, it's hard, but this is just how I do it. And I don't know any other way anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Not giving yourself the option to have an out basically. Yeah. And then those little wins, like you talked about, like, yeah, maybe I can't sprint up this hill, but I'm going to walk up it or I'm going to run for five seconds and then walk or stop and then run. Um, I know when I'm every race uh, my two most missed obstacles when I first started were the spear and the Z wall. And it would be every race. That's all I would think about. I would get so nervous. I would like slow down. And then my other obstacles would be affected because I would just be thinking, oh my God, I'm going to miss the spear. I'm going to miss the spear and have to do burpees. And it just affected the rest of my race until I finally would stop thinking about it and just worry about running, worry about getting Mm -hmm. over this wall. And when you get to the spear, you'll get to the spear, but it's difficult to do sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. You really have to train yourself to focus on whatever you're doing right at this moment is what you need to be focused on. And that helps with, you know, overcoming and preventing injuries and, you know, being mentally focused and aware. If, if the hill is what you're at right now, focus on the hill. You can't change what just happened and you can't change what's after the hill, but you can change how you conquer that hill. And to me, once you get up it, and if you see that as your challenge, once you get up that hill, everything else is okay because you just nailed something that you were nervous or, you know, excited or whatever, um, you had some anxiety about, and now that's gone and you don't have to ever worry about that hill again. Awesome. All right. And, um, so you're an experienced racer. I'm sure you work with new, new racers who are people who are maybe not even sure if they want to do it, but want to try it. 
What are maybe like two or three tips that you would typically give somebody just to help them prepare, whether it's mentally or, or physically? I always start my new clients off by doing something fun that's physically and mentally demanding. So if that's, you know, if they're new to running, let's go for a really short jog around the neighborhood and point out some cool spots. You know, if that's a playground where we can do some burpees later, or, you know, there's a dog in that yard, we can, you know, play fetch with the dog or, you know, play tug of war. It's just those little tiny things that people don't necessarily associate with fitness or associate with their run that make it much more enjoyable. So you never want to start out by saying, all right, we're going to start today by doing, you know, 30 burpees, 45 pushups, 26 jumping lunges. And I don't care how much you hate me, but that's what we're going to do (laughs) because that's not, that's not going to, you know, motivate them at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand like why that person came in. So I always start off by asking them, you know, we'll go for our jog. We'll start pointing some stuff out and I ask them why they're doing it. You know, if it's their kids or they have goals for Spartan racing, or they really want to do toughest mutter or whatever it is, there's a motivation and a reason they reached out to me. And I want to know what that is so I can remind them about it. Um, and from there, it's just building the habit. So, you know, making it an enjoyable experience, but also making it challenging enough that they want to come back. And it's that balance that I find really keeps people, you know, motivated and inspired and and ready for the next challenge. That's awesome. And I think just that one thing right there is is so important for everyone to realize is why are you racing? And, you know, just admit it, write it down, you know, uh, tell other people. But is it just because you want to try it because you heard it's cool? You want to challenge yourself, overcome an obstacle, you know, you want to win, you know, whatever it might be. But always have that in the back of your mind. And if your answer is to have fun and then you are doing these workouts that you absolutely hate, you know, there's there's not that balance there. So I I think Mm -hmm. that's such an important question to ask yourself is just why. Yeah. It's your personal why. And why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why are you motivated? You know, and the first couple days of training, everyone's like, Oh yeah, I like, I'm really motivated to be here. They're really excited. And then, you know, that kind of trails off because it's hard, it's hard to work out and it's hard to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. So if I get that in the first couple days and I know their why I don't have a problem, you know, in the middle of their burpees when they want to give up, you know, why are you here? Why did you start this? Just remember that and push through the pain because you're going to thank yourself tomorrow. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think like you said before, just kind of having your, your motto or just your why written down on your, your mirror or someplace you're going to see it. Because when you have those days that you don't want to, don't want to go on a run or you don't want to hit the gym, just looking at that, reminding yourself, Hey, this is why I'm doing it. I can, I can make mm-hmm. this workout happen. Um, exactly. Awesome. I, uh, I want to wrap this up because I think we've covered a ton of great things already, but I know you do some virtual training and I just wanted you to just talk about that, how it works. If, if anyone's interested, how they might be able to reach out to you. Definitely. Um, so you can reach out either on Facebook or at Sean at liveunbreakable.com and that's S H A U N at liveunbreakable.com. Um, and give me your why. Um, <laughs> but Online training is um, basically wherever you are in the world, whether that's, you know, if you're in Europe, that's awesome. I would love to train you. If you're here in the States, you know, we can work through time zones. But um, I find that it works really well uh, for a bunch of people because that way we don't have to set up a specific time to meet and train together. It can be whenever works for your schedule. um, And I can find out when to make you uncomfortable. You know, if you're (laughs) an early riser, I'm going to keep you up late. Um, But essentially, (laughs) I ask you your why, ask you what your goals are, and I 
create a very specific plan for you. So how many days per week, how much effort we're putting in, what kind of training we're doing. Um, and then once or twice a week, we have a Skype session or Google Hangout or FaceTime or whatever, um, where we can sit down and kind of talk about how your workouts went, um, how you're feeling for motivation, you know, how you're feeling, you're progressing towards your goals. And then um, I just ask for that weekly check-in via an email as well. So you send me, you know, what workouts you did, how you felt after, and then how much effort you put in um, on a scale of one to 10. And I'm from Facebook posts and from, you know, talking to people, I'm really good at, you know, guessing what whether or not they actually did the workout or if they're just telling me they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I adjust the training from there. That's awesome. Um, so anybody listening, I think that's an incredible resource to learn from somebody who's been through it an elite racer and you're bound to get some amazing tips there and see amazing progress. So I'll put the links to that and your contact info in case anyone in, is interested, they can check out our show notes at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 13. Any other links mentioned in the show, you'll find there, um, as well as uh, Sean's info. And I think that's it. Thank you so much for, for jumping on here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And right. I hope that some of the advice people can use. Oh, I definitely. And I think it's incredibly practical, and people just need to take action and, and start doing some of these things. Thanks. All right, everyone, that is going to do it for episode 13 of the Spartan Underground SGX show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big thanks again to Coach Provost for sharing some of her insight. I hope you got a lot out of it. There's definitely some practical action steps that you can take. Find ways to get yourself uncomfortable. Find that good support system and, and just dominate your training, dominate your next race. Uh, again, don't forget about our giveaway make sure you uh, go to our show notes at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode 13 and enter in all the different ways you can win some free stuff from us. Um, you have until the end of the month before we pick our winners. And again, check out the show notes for all the different links that were mentioned in the show, uh, the studies, the sandbags, any, any other things we mentioned, Coach Provost's contact info if you want to re reach out to her and get some more info on, on her program. Um, but guys, remember, what's your why? Why are you running? And always focus on that. There's definitely going to be times when it's, it's hard and you're, you're going to want to stop and give up. But remember, this is fun and we want to keep it fun. So once it stops getting fun, you got to really think about why you're doing it and maybe change some stuff. So until next time, keep training hard and we'll, we'll see you soon.